Like right now, I'm 46. My fiance is 44. I don't have children. And I tell him all the time, you know, if we met 10 years ago, you know, I would have, we would have like a, a house full of kids. And you end up wasting the best years of your life, you know, chasing mm-hmm. a dream. And that's that's what my fear is for a lot of these women. And what I did, you know, I, and I'm, I'm tell, I tell John, his name is Giacomo. And I tell him all the time, like if we met 10 years ago, we'd have like a bunch of kids. But, you know, it's, your body can only do what it can do for as long as it can do it. And we end up wasting time chasing kind of this, I call it like the the black rom-com kind of, you know, more <laughs> chestnut thing. And, you know, there are there are men out there and there are women to get it. But, you know, after like a couple years and you aren't on that path to me, it's like, all right, you know. Welcome to Flourish in the Foreign, an award-winning podcast that celebrates, elevates, and affirms the voices and stories of Black women living and thriving abroad, while exploring living abroad as a pathway to wellness. I'm your host, Christine Job, a Black American woman with Trinidadian roots, podcaster, business strategist, and entrepreneur based in Valencia, Spain. Hey everyone, welcome to Flourish in the Foreign. I'm Christine, your host. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate y'all. For those of you who are not on the Flourish in the Foreign newsletter, you're missing out. You know why? Because I've announced that I am running the only live version of the Move Abroad with Intention course this year. And it kicks off on Saturday, August 5th. And also, it is currently 50% off. 5-0. Now, y'all would have known this if you were part of the email list because they've been knowing about it for like, I don't maybe a week, perhaps. But those of you on the podcast who listen, I appreciate you. You need to go ahead and sign up for the newsletter, okay? You can take 50% off not only the live course, but the self-study course by using the code SUMMER50, okay? For those of you that don't know about the Move Abroad with Intention course, it is a five-week course, and we go through everything that you need to not only move abroad, but what? To thrive abroad. The course is really centered on sustainability and longevity, and to be able to use this move as a springboard into a life well lived. So in the course, we go from visioning and really getting clear about what you're wanting and expecting from this next chapter of your life to jobs, work, employment, you know, professional sustainability. Then we go into money, money management. We also talk about what to take and what not to take, girl, because you don't need to take everything promise you. But there are some things you should be taking 100%. And then we talk about settling in because as I've said so many times on this podcast, it is not about changing location. Your life will not magically become amazing just because you are setting down roots somewhere else. No, no, no. It is a cultivation. So I'm going to give you some tips about how to cultivate community, which I do know something about. I've lived abroad now for six years in Spain, and I have a thriving and robust community that I sometimes talk about on LinkedIn. 
<laughs> Oddly enough, I say that proudly as an introvert that I have the community that I wanted. So that's really important. And then, of course, we talk about not only long-term stay, but what you need to do if you decide to repatriate. And then I'm throwing in a bonus week all about building a business abroad. Yes. So if you are interested in chatting with me for five weeks live and everybody else in the cohort about your move abroad strategy, about your live abroad strategy, about your thrive abroad strategy, this is the time to sign up 50% off. Use the code SUMMER50 and I hope to see you there. All right. On to the next episode. Season 4, episode 19. Today's episode was the third and final live dating abroad discussion. This episode was not a panel. It just featured the lovely Latrice Williams, who is now Latrice Canas because she is a married woman. You may remember Latrice because she is a past podcast guest season one, episode 41. Also, she is such a popular guest, particularly because she was also featured in our Dating Abroad compilations, and she gave such good advice that people really, really resonated with. So in today's episode, I'm going to be really discussing some of the philosophies and strategies that Latrice shared in her episode, but also what has made her successful in dating. She's based in Italy, so she's had quite a lot of success there. Obviously, she was dating, partnered, engaged, and now married. So going abroad and being in a long-term relationship being married is really important to you. I highly suggest you listen to this episode, take some notes, because Latrice has some theories on how to go where you are celebrated so you have a better chance of being partnered, if that's important to you. Now, you can watch this episode on the YouTube channel, Flourish So Foreign on YouTube. While you're there, make sure you're subscribed and the notifications are put on. Once we get to 1,000 subscribers, perhaps I will bring back our live panel discussions. Maybe we're talking about dating abroad, maybe we're talking about something else. Who knows? It is up to you. We will see. All right. Without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Latrice. Today, we have our third discussion in a series of dating abroad panels. And if you have not had the opportunity to listen to Dating Abroad Part 1 and Dating Abroad Part 2, you should go ahead and do so. The links to those episodes are actually in the description of this live discussion. Today, we have, I think, probably the most anticipated guest, I think, of this entire series. If you have been listening to the podcast, you know our guest, Latrice, who had one a fantastic episode when she talked about her journey to moving to Rome and thriving in Rome, Italy. But also, I think she even became even more of a standout when I did the Dating Abroad compilations, because I know that I got a lot of 
great feedback about, in particular, not only her experience dating abroad, but her advice and her philosophy for all of you, Black women who are maybe watching this, about how to do so with some with some strategy and and some kind of interesting, I think, insights on it. Okay, so without further ado, I'm going to bring our guest on. If you have any questions or any kind of comments, or you want to share your your dating abroad journeys and stories or whatever, you can always do that by putting your comments in the comment box, and we will get to it. I'm going to kick us off with some questions, but let me first bring our guest. Do do do. Here we are. Hi. Patrice, how are you? Good, good. Good morning. Well, I'm in Chicago right now, so good morning. Oh, you're in Chicago. Okay. So, yeah. yes, it is good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, we'd be on the same time zone because yeah. Rome and, and Spain, we share the same time zone right. here in Central Europe. Okay. So, first things first, how are you, Latrice? I'm good. I'm really good. Awesome. Awesome. Considering, you know, this is a really odd time of life still, like we're in that panini, panini still. So <laughs> I know it's so strange, like trying to get back to living and thriving yeah. and traveling and it's still being very much a pandemic out here. But let's get to it. Let's first start with if you could, Latrice, maybe like introduce yourself briefly to maybe people who haven't listened to your episode of the podcast. Let us know who you are. Okay. Well, my name is Latrice Williams. I am from Chicago originally. I'm actually back home for a bit with my fiance, and we're going to head back to Rome in a couple weeks. So I work in real estate sales um, and acquisitions. I've been doing that for different entities off and on for forever. So I work remotely, which is, I guess, kind of like the the holy grail of moving abroad. So it has really freed me to be able to kind of live as authentically as I, I mean, it gives me a lot of freedom, you know, financially, and then also in terms of geography. So I'm doing that right now. And uh, yeah, I just got engaged to Italian Roman fiance. Now it sounds so weird still to say that because it's still like, oh yeah, this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I have to, have to do this later. Oh, where's the camera? Where's the camera? Here's the ring. Here's the ring. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. I love it. So that's why people want to come to you, Latrice, because you got the ring. And a lot, look, let's be right. We're the same. That's what, let's get into it. A lot of people, you know, dating abroad, as I said before, the dating abroad compilations of my podcast are two of the most popular episodes. And they're definitely the episodes I get probably the most consistent feedback. Like people keep on messaging me about dating abroad. So one of the things that I noticed, like, I mean, I went to, I'm from Chicago. I went to Clark in Atlanta. I did all the black stuff, like, you know, national black NBA and <clears throat> the Urban League, the Metro Board. I went to all the events when the Kappas would throw something, when the AKAs would throw something. And I was just never able to really find and connect with someone that really wanted to authentically love me. And then uh, that I felt the same about. I mean, and that doesn't mean you can't find somebody in those in those settings, but it's incredibly challenging. Just, I mean, to me, and I mean, other women, and I'm, I'm all for the laws of attraction because you, you have to, you know, say what you want, 
But at the same time, I think the laws of attraction have to be rooted in reality. And when I would do a lot of those events just out and about in, you know, Black America, Black professional America, you know, I just, I didn't get a lot of traction. A lot of men were, I'm not their type. I mean, I'm dark skinned. I'm tall. I don't have a big butt. <laughs> I mean, it just is what it is. I'm not the flavor and I'm not, I'm okay with that. You know, I think one of the things that happened once I moved abroad and started dating other men and found my, myself in a space where I was very desirable was I was, I let go of a lot of bitterness. I still see a lot of African-American uh, carry this, and I think sometimes that'll manifest in like online comments when like a black man marries a woman outside of, of his race, then women sometimes will get, you know, like, well, why he's, why is he with her? And to me, I'm like, you know what, if I knew you, I would come to your wedding and throw rice and, you know, give you flowers. Cause I mean, I'm happy that you found love, but I don't find, I don't see myself as competition. I think for those types of, you know, if when a man it chooses to do that, it's fine. You know, I want everyone to be happy. So, but I, it just became lighter for me because I felt like, well, I, I'm happy. So why am I worried about somebody else finding their happiness too? And I think there's a freedom that comes with, you know, having the ability to spend time romantically with, you know, almost anybody you would want to, and you don't carry that burden of loneliness. And what I saw with a lot of the, you know, what my experience was and with a lot of my friends still in the U.S., Everyone was like single. <laughs> it didn't matter. I mean, I have friends who were like partners at law firms and doctors and, you know, like they they hit every professional milestone bank account. Just, you know, just buckets of money in the bank. And, you know, they had they had they might have had their child already or, you know, didn't want to have any more kids or had or didn't want to have kids or whatever. They had the property. They had every single box that they checked for themselves in terms of what they felt they wanted to have to be happy, but they were all single. Everyone was single. It, it was like ridiculous how many people, you know, beautiful, quality, intelligent, witty, like every positive attribute you could place onto a woman. These women were still single. And I mean, it's ridiculous. And I mean, the reasons why I think are just, I mean, that's not really the topic of this. And I'm not that woman who's like, oh, black men are horrible. I think black men are amazing. African-American men are spectacular. I just don't think it's enough of them. Mm. And I think that, I mean, because of all the systemic racism and, and jail and, and drug sentencing and, you know, homicide and all these other things, like they have their own battles. But I'm here to see black women thrive. You know, I understand their battles. And, you know, if you want to get in that war with them, knock yourself out. But because of all of that, it they have so many options and you really like they don't have to settle in any way that they don't want to. And a lot of them don't, especially if they're professional, if they have any kind of degrees or whatever. And that's fine. So to me, it's like, well, why would you? continue to stay in this space where these men have absolutely no interest in being with you in a real situation? Or would you put yourself in a, in a place where you're more likely to succeed? As my friend says, set yourself up for success. And so, you know, that probably is in Atlanta. I'm like big on Atlanta. I think Atlanta is like the worst place for black women to move if they want to be single or even if they're married and they don't want their husband to cheat. There's just too many options there for them. I mean, and I think a lot of the best intention men, you got to be very strong and have tunnel vision to not kind of like, it's just beautiful women, beautiful, black, accomplished women everywhere. So I don't, you know, DC is a close second. <laughs> no, I mean, I agree. I'm from Atlanta and 
like it is a chocolate city. The women are bad, like just yeah. on every level, every level. If there was balance, that would be fine. If it was like, you know, a hundred people in a room and 50 bad black women and 50 bad black dudes and everybody could get together. But it's not. It's like I went to Clark and Clark I had classes where there were like 30 people in the class and three, three men. So <laughs> that was like, and then, you know, you look at the, the numbers just in the AUC, which is kind of like a microcosm of the city. Mm-hmm. And, you know, almost any room that you're in, if it's not like, if it's any kind of positivity in it, it, it it's going to be way, 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 way more women. I mean, you're talking like, you know, 30 to one, you know, 20, 25 to one. And that's just, I mean, like, I don't want that struggle. And I don't, I don't know if women who are in that struggle know that they don't want that struggle because what happens is you you waste like right now i'm 46 my fiance is 44 i don't have children and i tell him all the time you know if we met 10 years ago you know i would have we would have like a, a house full of kids and you end up wasting the best years of your life you know, chasing a dream. And that's that's what my fear is for a lot of these women. And what I did, you know, I, and I'm, I'm tell, I tell John, his name is Giacomo. And I tell him all the time, like if we met 10 years ago, we'd have like a bunch of kids. But, you know, it's, your body can only do what it can do for as long as it can do it. And we end up wasting time chasing kind of this, I call it like the the black rom-com kind of, you know, more <laughs> chestnut thing. And, you know, there are there are men out there and there are women to get it. But, you know, after like a couple of years and you aren't on that path to me, it's like, all right, you know, the dudes at the at the Sunday service and the choir and stuff, it, it, they're still single because they're checking for each other. <laughs> like, don't join the study group or the, the Bible study. That's not the place where you're going to find them because, you know, he's just trying to, you know, see if you got a brother. <laughs> And and that's you know and that's not, that's okay too. Have those friends, have those those connections. But you know, if you're wanting to have someone in your life significantly, and everyone doesn't want that, but if that's what you really want, you know, put yourself in a place to succeed. And Atlanta is not that place. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so there's so many things I want to talk to you about because Latrice also, for those of you guys that don't know, she has a really amazing Facebook group. I think is this, it's still called Sisters Who yeah. Travel and Date. Yeah, it's a private group just because, I mean, if you if anyone's interested in it, send me a, a, a message and I'll definitely add you. But it's a private group just because women talk about very sensitive things and they don't want like the world to know that they talk about them. But yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a member of that group. I love, one, it's like hilarious. And I also love like the camaraderie. Everyone is very normally very supportive and, mm-hmm. and, and, and engaged. But what I also think is fascinating you know, being that, you know, I've been abroad for about five years now, some of the conversations about dating and like the normal, like the normal stuff that's supposed to be happening in dating, particularly in the United States, sometimes just blow me away. Like some yeah. of this, some of this like dating culture that has been normalized by like, you know, you see in the shade room, people are like, well, that's just how it is. And I'm like, that's not how it is. That's that's yeah, not well, how it is everywhere. Just because something is 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 nor is normalized doesn't mean it's normal. 
I mean, yeah. slavery was normal at one point or normalized, but it's not normal. You know, people should not be, in, in, you know, <laughs> enslaved. <laughs> I think we've kind of made that agreement. And I think that a lot of the stuff that's just been normalized within the within the United States broadly, too, because there there are things that <clears throat> women of other cultures are struggling with, too. Yeah. Um, but the only difference or the big difference is they have so many more options mm-hmm. as a black woman. You know, you're already seen as less desirable by a lot of people in the United States. And that just is what it is. There's been studies from like, I think Match.com did one where they were saying that black women were the least likely to be engaged online and black women in Korea and Asian men. So other women deal with this stuff, too, but they can just be like, OK, next. OK, next. And when you date abroad, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, men are men. I don't care where you are. If you if they ever find life on another planet and they're men and women, they're going to act the same. I promise you. That's not the thing. The thing is, when you are in a space to continue to meet people that, OK, you understand. Like, I felt when I moved abroad that it was like I was 17 dating because so many things I hadn't really learned about myself or relationships being in the U.S. just because I hadn't had enough experience with it, that I was able to kind of grow with those experiences and grow and learn and discover what was good and what wasn't good for me and for my spirit. But that experience had never really happened in the United States because I just hadn't gotten the volume of relationships and interactions with men to kind of glean that information. So that's a very, very different situation. Definitely. And I think that uh, the only reason why I bring that up is, is that sometimes I think similar to like just moving abroad in general, people bring you, they bring themselves, but they bring yeah. the same beliefs. They yeah. bring the same kind of way of moving and being abroad. And they complain because they're not getting the results that they think that they want. And I find it's very similar. Like people will be like, I want to leave the U.S., but they basically are looking for like another Atlanta minus racism or whatever obstacles somewhere else. It's like it doesn't work like that. And dating, it doesn't work like that. And I find like sometimes black women are looking for black American men abroad. And I'm like, and unless you're finding an ex- and I and guess what? In this new season of the podcast, I actually have a guest who's exclusively dated black American men abroad. Fascinating how she's done it. She didn't necessarily go so set out to do though. it. That's but, so limiting. Well, to but, me, like my, my, exactly. my, my belief with that is like it, like you eat the food. Like if you're gonna eat the food, date the man. Like, why would you go to like this a whole other country to eat at McDonald's every single day? Like that's I mean, you can't eat McDonald's sometimes. You know, I would I I dated, I went out with a black dude from the Caribbean in Italy, but which isn't quite the States, but it's it's adjacent. You know, like I'm not saying don't do that, but to only limit yourself to that is just to me silly. And honestly, I don't know what this woman's experience is. But generally, when when black men are abroad, they're not looking for us. Like they could have met. That's true. Look, when you if a black dude is thirty years old and he grew up in D.C. or he grew up in Detroit and he went to Howard, he has had a billion chances. Especially if he's really anywhere near attractive and anywhere near accomplished, he's had a billion chances to get a black woman just like you or better. <laughs> and if he hasn't picked one by now, he's probably not looking for you today. That's my belief. So, you know, I think I think that's just kind of I think it's limiting and it's setting yourself up for disappointment. And, you know, I, I like I would I would never recommend that. I don't think you should only date black men. I mean, if you're in, you know, if you move to Kenya, <laughs> you know, that's just who you're going to come across. And there are so many 
Kenyan men that are that are African that you can only date black men and be fine. But if you are like if you move to uh, Thailand and you decide that you're only going to date black American men. Well, first of all, it's it's very, 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 very few of them. And then secondly, they're not there for you. <laughs> they are just like I have this group and I, I think my group is pretty mild. When you look at some of the men's groups and a lot of them, I don't think black women get caught up in black women tend to defend black men a lot. Mm-hmm. Black, uh, black American men, black African men to an extent, too. But they're not going to. I don't think we're quick to be like, oh, I don't date. You know, my dating life sucks because black men or whatever. <clears throat> we don't do that. But in a lot of the groups with the black men, they'll tell you all the reasons that they don't like black American women and why they want to go find a Filipino girl or whatever the thing is they feel like is going to bring them joy. So it's if you if you go especially asia and south america those men are going there for those women they are not going there for you now if you happen to be like in the military or something and he's in the military and you're both like you know you meet a black dude from arkansas and you vibe not you know that's wonderful it's beautiful but if he specifically chose to move to like columbia he did not move there to meet a black girl from like Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> he could have met a black girl from Jackson, Mississippi 20 years ago. So yeah, I, I, you know, people should do what makes them happy, but I don't, I don't, I wouldn't recommend that philosophy. It's, it's very limiting. It is so limiting. And I actually have, I, I actually speak, spoken to a couple of black women who are in Colombia and they're like, no, the black men are not checking for it. No, they're they're only, something else. You exactly. Know, I'm, not, I'm not knocking that. You know, I think one of the most beautiful things in, in life is when people know what they want. And when a when a when a man says to you, I know exactly what I want, and it is not you, that's freeing. Okay, go get that. <laughs> Let me step out your way so you can go get what you want. What is problematic is when these dudes can't admit what they want and then they drag a woman into their uncertainty. You know, don't let somebody play with your time like that. If if he's clear that he's wanting something else, then let him go get it. And I think that was kind of one of the things that was so freeing to me. I'm like, whatever other men are interested in, if they're not interested in me, I don't take it personal. I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I'm not everyone's, you know, cup of coffee, cup of water, whatever. Go get what you want. Let me go focus on the people who are interested in me and who would like to spend time with me and build a relationship with me because that other stuff is a waste of my time. And I'm telling you, it's like the there are very few things in this life, I think, that are truly finite. And time is is the thing. You know, you're not going to be young forever. You're not going to be you know, beautiful or energetic or healthy forever. And you have to take advantage of those years and of that time and spend that finding and being with someone that's going to help you grow and you help them grow a real true relationship. If that's what you want, a real true relationship and, you know, dating in Los Angeles for 20 years is not going to get you that. It, it's just not. <laughs> I have not. I've heard horrible things about dating in LA. I've heard horrible, yeah, horrible things about it. Beautiful, like six three, you know, models that are like blonde and blue eyes have horrible dating stories in Los Angeles. If you're just a regular sister from like Connecticut, you're gonna struggle. <laughs> so, so this is what I want to get to now because just like living abroad, I tell people you need to move abroad with intention. You need to have an ideal. I tell people all the time, don't get fixated on a place because then you, you know, especially if you go on vacation, because one vacation someplace is completely different than actually living in a place. And you need to find a place 
that's actually going to support you thriving. And so Paris might be super lovely and you may visit all the time, but it may not actually be the place that's conducive for your happiness. In the same vein, you got to be one honest. If partnering in the next year, yeah. three years or whatever is super important to you, then you need to allow the, that and what that looks like to you to lead the way for your destination. Again, it may not be Paris. It may not be a place you necessarily consider, but it might be the place that you actually thrive. I, so go ahead. Well, I, I, I mean, I've posted this in, in, in like kind of Black Sit or some of the groups where people are looking at moving abroad. And, you know, they're always like, well, what's cheap and what's the weather? And, you know, and those are fair things to be concerned about, of course. But come on. You want to know, like, can you, you know, financially afford to be there? But I'm always like, you know, are you single? Are you looking to date? And who are you? Because most black men, they're not really checking for Europe. You know, European women aren't as interested in them. I mean, they're interested in them, but they're not like they're going to struggle with them the same way they would with an American woman because, I mean, the income disparity isn't there. And it just is what it is. When these mm-hmm. when, when Black American men move to a lot of places in South America or Southeast Asia, the economies are really bad. Between that and kind of the global image of African-American men and the, you know, the stereotypes that associate that are associated with them, they do really well in those environments. You know, they have really beautiful women that are absolutely interested in them and committed and dedicated and blah, blah, blah. And that's, to me, that's fine. You know, that's what they are looking for. So when you see a black man comment and he says, man, I love, you know, a Bogota. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're not going to like Bogota. Like he likes Bogota. <laughs> you know, his, his experience there is different for black women. I think um, some of the best places for us to be, if you're looking today is definitely most of the countries in Europe. I mean, the, the history of racism in the United States has really made African American women seem like we're not desirable. And even I think that ch- is changing a little bit more. And, you know, you see it in media, you see it in, in younger relationships, but historically, you know, clearly they've been attracted to us or there would be no light skinned people in America. <laughs> so, Like a whole lot of black women were raped at some point to make all these light skinned people. <laughs> so the attraction, whatever depravity it was, it was wrapped in has been there. But, you know, to actually get a man of a man of a different race or even a lot of black men, you know, they're they're hung up on kind of, you know, shade and stuff like that. And being dark skin, I mean, it just is what it is. A lot fewer black men were interested in me. You know, they were just like, wow, you know, you're interesting. You're cool. But, you know, I always you know, I want my kids to pass the paper bag test. So you're not the woman to help them do that. And, you know, and that's fair. But then when you step outside the United States and I think specifically for Europe and I'm making a sweeping generalization because every country in Europe is different. But for the most part, they don't have the history. So the race, there's absolutely racism in all over the world. (laughs) And you go to Africa, it's colorism and then it's classism. So there's always some separation. There is not this utopic place where everyone's just like singing Kumbaya and no one's disparaging somebody else for something beyond their character. It just does not exist. People need to get that out of their head. It's like, but I think it's degrees of racism. And the racism in the United States is institutionalized. It's in, you know, it's in housing, it's in employment law, it's in, you know, education, it's in all of these things. But in Europe, it's not that I think Europeans are just like, oh, we love black people. There just was, there were never enough black people in those countries to make their disenfranchisement law. 
Mm-hmm. And so because of that, you know, there's nothing that's systemically holding you from this, that or the third. Not that, you know, there are Africans, people of African descent will totally be like, I hate Europe because, you know, that I get treated badly. But when you're African-American, even though people will see me and think I'm Nigerian and I open my mouth and they're like, oh, you're from the States. And they'll completely change. It's like a switch. They're like, oh, you're American. You know, you're cool. But it's a kind of different vibe. And putting yourself into that situation, I think, as an as a black woman sets you up for more success because people don't you don't have those institutional barriers. And then people don't have as many of, I think, the preconceived notions that people in the U.S. have about black Americans. So we could just not that they don't they're just like loving black folk. It just did not it was not a part of their learnings. And so mm-hmm. I think when a, a man sees you in most of the countries in Europe, he's like, I want a beautiful woman and or I want, you know, a, a brilliant woman or I want a really tall woman. And he starts he doesn't I think they're more likely to put your race as like, you know, like when in the States, how white people be like, well, she's a brunette or she's a blonde. Like mm-hmm. for them, it's more like, oh, well, she's black. She's, you know, Asian. She's, you know, she's from here. And they, they're they still, they clearly see the otherness, but it's not a thing where they're like, oh, she's an other. I can't, you know, really have a serious relationship with her. And I think that's the difference. So I think Europe is probably one of the better places. And the other part is, you know, I've, I, I know and women are always concerned about meeting men in countries in Africa, about them just wanting a green card and that kind of thing. And I mean, they're, Clearly, they're brilliant men and, you know, men who only want to love you for you that are in different countries in Africa. But the challenge, I think, is to you need to be where you could live because then Mm -hmm. he's not trying to move to the States. Like, even though we're visiting now, when I mentioned I mentioned to my fiance, like, you know, would you want to spend more time in the U.S.? And he's like, no. (laughs) no thank you and you know you really want to be with somebody who doesn't need or want to live in the U.S. if you want to kind of get around that like fear of 90 day fiance and most of the people in Europe that passport is fine you know they don't need they can go anywhere they want to they don't need you to go to if they want to go to the states or if they want to go to Australia Canada they don't need you they could do that on their own and if you, you know, in a lot of the African countries, I know like in Ghana at the airport, they check your passport like 25 times because you can't get a visa to go anywhere. You know, mm. you're kind of just stuck in those places. And so there is a definite incentive to to find a woman to marry to kind of take you beyond those those limitations. So, it, I mean, it is what it is. It's there. And it's something you have to be leery of. But it's, a, I mean, Africa full of black men. <laughs> that's, that's like the, if that's your thing. But I think the trick too. So people, you know, in the United States, they had it really did a number on us when it comes to race because we're like, oh well, we're all black. But that's yeah. not how everyone. And you get to different countries in Africa, they're like, no, I'm, you know, I'm Ghanaian, I'm Nigerian, I'm Kenyan, I'm Eritrean. You're Af- you're American. You know, mm-hmm. we're completely different. And then if you want to date them, like if you want to date a doctor. You know, he's like, well, no, if I'm a a doctor in Kenya, I'm supposed to marry a woman of a certain class that's Kenyan. So Hmm. they're not really, you know, there are always exceptions. But I I think people, a lot of women are misguided thinking that, you know, because we have this, I think, because America's treated us so badly, we have this kind of fantasy of being welcomed back into Africa, into the motherland. And, you know, and there are definitely people who embrace us. I'm not saying that they don't. But you're still uh, you're just as as much of an other 
in most of the countries in Africa as you are in Europe, you know. So I don't I, I don't want folks to get that twisted. That's so then true. You meet a man there and he's of a higher or similar class. He's probably, you know, having family expectations to stay within his his country. Like if he's Nigerian, he's not expected to marry a woman from Rwanda. He's expected to marry a a woman from Nigeria if he's of a certain class. So, you know, you kind of got to understand, I think, how all of that plays together, because the United States has us just thinking about race and the other in other parts of the world. They don't see it necessarily the same way. But on the flip side, I have a friend in Rome who was dating a black woman that was her parents are from the Congo, but she was raised in Rome. She looks like me, like she's a, a very similar look. And so I'm like, oh, so she's from Con- she's from the Congo. He's like, no, she's she's Italian. And I'm like, but she, you know, she wear <laughs> weaves and stuff. He's like, no, she's Italian. I mean, he's like, no, she's not just Italian. She's Roman because, you know, she has like she has a Roman accent. And for him, it's, it's you know, the race is there. He's not blind, but culturally she's Italian. Her language is Roman. And so he, you won't hear that in America so much, you know, and I'll Mm -hmm. tell my boyfriend or my fiance, I'll tell him that, you know, even though he, you know, his, he speaks English well, but he's a really strong accent. People are going to embrace him before they're going to embrace me because he's white. Hmm. You know, even though my ancestors have been here for centuries, you know, and I'm American and I went to school here and everything, but as a European People see him, uh, another white American will, will see him as more of, a, of a, you know, deserving of Americanness than me. And mm-hmm. they don't, I don't see that in Europe as much. It's more like, well, if he's, he's I know I don't, can't speak for every country, but they're like, if, if you're born in Germany and, you know, even wherever your parents are from, you're German, you know, and uh, we don't do that so much here, so... Interesting. I think your your points about culture is so, so important. I think people, again, kind of fling themselves abroad and they think about, is it sunny? Does it have a beach? Is yeah. it cheap? Whatever that means. And look, people, you know, the UK has beaches. Okay. And they sometimes have sun. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> a lot of places have beaches and the sun shines. You know, is it warm? Is it hot? All these other things. You know, Scandinavia, they have beaches. Yeah. Yeah. It's really about going deeper and being honest. And I think a lot yeah. of people don't want to do that work because to actually go deeper is to also recognize that, you know, we are also part of the issue of maybe preventing our own happiness. Because I think that through conditioning and through whatever, maybe even life experiences, there's, there's, we all have baggage that prevents us from maybe experiencing what we're looking for, or even being able to open our eyes to what we, what we truly need and what we really want and go past like surface level things. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think that's it. I don't want to cut you off. No, go ahead. I think that's a fair kind of assessment. But I think what it is, is that, you know, I think, you know, everyone in America sold this kind of dream of what your life is to be. And I think African-American women are kind of sold this whole like, you know, growing up, you know, and I'm I saw the Cosby show, you know, and, and you see like that there is this fantasy of living, not fantasy. I mean, they're black. They're clearly black doctors and lawyers living in brown souls in Harlem. That's not the fantasy part. But that that you're supposed to want that kind of nuclear 
well-to-do experience. And then you, the reality is Bill Cosby wasn't Dr. Huxtable. You know, we're wanting this thing that isn't necessarily rooted in, you know, what, you know, it's not always the, the perfect way, the best way that happiness is going to show up for each of us. And because we're kind of taught that, like, I, I just, one of the things I'm just like is I just tell women, just be open, just date everybody, date the dude who, you know, they delivered the boxes at UPS, date the doctor, date the, the lawyer, date, you know, date the dude with three kids, date everybody you thought you could never find happiness with, because it could show up wherever you, anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. love can show up anywhere. But I think because of like that, the, when you were talking about like being afraid to step outside of that, I think that fear comes from the fact that that is a differentiation from the narrative that we're fed as we're kind of growing up in this country. So anytime something is like, is, is, is other, then it's like, well, no, I don't know if that's what I'm supposed to, you know, is it okay to even want this? Like, is it okay to, to like this? Because this isn't what people told me I should want. This is what my parents, like my parents are black, you know, my uncles, my aunts, everybody, you know, everyone's American. I'm this is supposed to be the best country in the world. <laughs> and, you know, and my, my fiance is terrified of getting shot. Can I tell you that? You know, oh. Europeans are terrified of getting shot in the United States. They think that it's like the Wild West. I mean, and people do get killed, but that is not a reality, you know, in most parts of the world. So we're fed this kind of narrative of, of this being the perfect best place and that we'll just, you know, meet some guy that is going to be like Dr. Huxtable. But then, you know, you really have to be like, okay, Dr. Huxtable is not Dr. Huxtable. Bill Cosby is horrible. <laughs> Sometimes it's just a fantasy. And the, the story is fine, but understand that that isn't always a true story. That sometimes the stories we were fed are fiction and that we need to want something beyond that. And we can't be afraid to do that because, again, we will waste time. And the worst thing in the world is to live a life unfulfilled and be on your deathbed at 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 and, and have all this regret. You know, like, man, I had this chance. And people tell you stuff like that all the time. Man, I had this. Like, going to Clark, people would tell me, oh, man, I could have went to Howard. But, you know. And I'm like, well, okay. You know. <laughs> you know, and, and that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm fine with my decisions. You know, are you okay with yours? And that's the thing. They're not. They're like, well, you know, I, I regret not doing that. And you don't want to regret those things. You want to do the things. And <laughs> Philly ain't going away. Philly is going to be there. If you move to to London or Paris or or Amsterdam for three months and you hate it, get your butt back on the airplane and go back to Philly. It will not it, like it, it will still you can still get a cheesesteak. <laughs> you can do all the things, ring the Liberty Bell, whatever you feel like you need to do. But if you don't take those chances and ask yourself those questions while you have an opportunity to, I think most women will regret it later on in life. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Flourish in the Foreign. And if you are, be sure to support this podcast by going to buymeacoffee.com slash flourishforeign and buying me a coffee. You can also write a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and anywhere else you listen to the show. Thank you so much for listening and supporting. Now, back to the episode. 
Definitely. Okay. I want to one, welcome everyone who has joined us. We're talking about dating abroad. I have my lovely, lovely guests, which you guys know, Latrice from her episode when she's talking about moving to Rome and how she made that happen, but also from the dating abroad compilation. Her her segment of the compilation is probably one of the most popular segments of the of the compilation. That's one that everybody was like, who is she? Can oh, wow. you, someone, someone asked me for your email and I was like, I'm not giving you her, her email. <laughs> this, is the, this is the stuff I'm allowed to give, which is like her IG handle. Y'all handle it from there. I'm not giving yeah. you her, her email. Don't do that. On IG is fine. Exactly. Okay. I'm going to get to these comments. And if you have any questions about dating abroad, or if you want to share your experiences dating abroad, please put them in the comments here. And let's see. First, we have Indigo Archer says, congratulations, because Latrice is newly engaged. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yes. Oh, wait. Let me let me hide. Let me hide it. Go ahead. Do it again. Show them the <laughs> ring. Show them. Yes. We love that. We love that. Indigo Archer says, tell the truth, sis. I live abroad and have traveled abroad, too. Tell us, where, where are you, Indigo Archer? And when I see Black men, they are not looking for Black women. <laughs> That is so true. And also, I would say, taking even a step further, I think, depending on obviously which country you're in, which city you're in, like Black women, we crave community. So we're going to look yeah. for each other and we'll be like, hey, we should do brunch. Hey, we should do something like let's or at least let's be let's know each other. I don't usually see a lot of Black men doing that. So there is. Well, I mean, I think the like what I, I think in well, the couple things. In the Asian communities, you see, I think the Black American, all the expats in Asian communities are more cohesive, I think, because they're all exterior to the culture within that country because of the language barriers and other stuff. So if you move to Japan or you move to, to China, the language is so hard and the culture is so different that like you only find yourself in this expat bubble. And so it's like this different kind of experience. What I've seen in Europe, specifically in Italy, is people, the language is a little, you know, better to grasp. And so most of the people that have been there, I'd say my Italian is like an intermediate level. It's not horrible. It's not great. But I mean, there are definitely African-American women and other expat women that are fluent. You know, they're, they're fine. So they, we, I think we integrate more into the culture within Italy. So like right now we live, my, my fiance's parents have um, three apartments in the building we live in. And so they have one apartment, we live under them, and then we live across the hall from his sister. And so it's kind of like this communal, like generational thing. We share like a terrace in our outdoor space. And so like yesterday, for instance, he called his mom on Zoom. I'm not on Zoom, whatever, and <laughs> on a FaceTime. And so I'm talking to her in Italian and she's talking to me or, you know, so it's, it's a lot more integrated. So in Asia specifically, you don't, I think you see the black people become like their own unit. Like there's like this one big expat unit. And then within that, they're like the black American things. And the men, I think, get together a little bit more, but they're not there for black men either. They're not for like the Asian women. And I think you see that a little bit, you see that the most, I think in Asia, but then in countries in, in Europe, I think we're a, little, we're a little bit more integrated within those countries. People tend to have jobs. They speak the language a little bit more. More. They get married, they have kids, they're dealing with in-laws, and there is less of like this extended vacation and more like of this integrated life. But like I, I knew some um this gay white couple that lived in China for like 13 years and they speak any Chinese. 
<laughs> you know, they they didn't really have any Chinese friends. All of their friends are expats. Their everything is, you know, expats. And that's just not you end up doing, you know, a little bit more. And then the other part is like we definitely in Italy, the black women get together. We do that. But also, you know, I have friends, I have more friends from that are white once I moved to Europe that aren't necessarily Italian. I have a really good friend from Iceland. This is she's blonde, blue eyed. Like we would never be friends in the US. But we're really cool. You know, I have a, a really good friend from Latvia. And you just end up meeting friends from other countries that because they're not bringing all this U.S. baggage with them and all these kind of stereotypes of what they think African-Americans are. And I found myself meeting and spending more time with people, white people from the U.S. than I ever did when I was living in the U.S. And mm-hmm. so uh, they're kind of different layers of that, I think. But Asia specifically, you it, you just end up being in like this little expat bubble. It's really hard to integrate into those cultures. Yeah, I agree. All right, we have another qu- or question comment. And Indigo Archer also just commented. She says she's, or he or she, this person says they're in Kuwait. Speaking as, oh, she's a Black American woman. She, speaking as a Black American woman living abroad, many limit themselves yeah. to still looking for the same thing they were looking for at home. I just want to stop apologizing and live our lives. Now that's a word. But yeah, think, girl, you need to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> but I think, I think, how do I think the issue is is that people don't recognize that they're apologizing. I don't think people recognize or take the time to actually understand what they really want and what they really yeah. need because they're so yeah. they're so focused on chasing whatever the American dream is, yeah. whatever their Black American dream is, and it's like, do you even really want that? So I love that insight, but I would love for you, Latrice, because on the podcast, you talked about your philosophy on how black women should be strategic when going abroad. And you said specifically, and and I thought I knew it was going to be provocative when it dropped. I was like, I know people have something to say, but you were like, look, based on how you look, you should maybe be strategic on where you go because people will embrace you and things like that. And I know people get really touchy, but also we all understand like, visuals and we understand people are attracted to certain types of people. And we also understand that what is seen as attractive is dependent on culture. So I don't know why people are touchy about it, but they are touchy about it. That's how it is. People don't like to like to accept that. I mean, the the fairy tale is like Beauty and the Beast. You know, he she meets this this guy who kidnaps her and holds her hostage. But even though (laughs) he's a horrible looking man because he has a good heart, she falls in love with him. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. just not the way the world works. You know, I, in my group, women get pissed if the dude isn't, you know, his penis isn't big enough. They're like, look, you need to go back somewhere with that. And <laughs> they want a woman to look a certain way. And it's crap to say that they don't. You know, the IG models all look the same because men are into that look right now. It, it's not people wouldn't be clicking on their pages if in reading, watching their stories if they weren't attracted to that. And I, th- I think because there's this narrative of like the, fa- the the fairy tale fantasy of that not being important that people don't want to accept it. But the thing that I do believe this part of the fairy tale is just in the eye of the beholder, you know, and, you know, everything isn't for everybody. So kind of once you accept that and understand that, then you go be in that space where you are desirable, you know. And one of the things that, that I, you know, I'm dark. I am never going to play well in like the Dominican. I'm never mm-hmm. going to play well in Brazil or or the U.S. or even the U.K. Because 
you know, the, the, the black men that are in those countries are from, you know, West Africa and the Caribbean. So they're still holding a lot of those kind of color, color struck kind of things. But in the in in Italy, like you know, that's I'm ideal because I think the part of it is that the, the men there, like if I want a black woman, I want a black woman. So, um, like we were we were walking down the street. I don't know. This was maybe a month ago, and uh, my fiance's best friend's father saw us, and so I mean he's an older guy, whatever. And my fiance stops, he talks to him, and he's like, oh, you know, da da da. So then I, you know, I go do something else. And when I come back, he's laughing. And I'm like, why are you laughing? And he was like, man, he, he asked me, he's like, man, how did you find her? He's like, cause, cause you know, women like that, like you gotta be like super rich to get a, a woman like that. And I'm like, you know, I'm like seen as this, you know, end all be all kind of prize by so many men there. You know, he's just figuring out like what, what did, what did Jack Ma do to get me? You know? <laughs> and the men that were, that were trying to date me it's just ridiculous like you know <laughs> the guy who was dating miss italy was in my inbox and they're like i google him and it's all these pictures of him and miss italy and you know they're they were engaged at one point in their engagement shoot and i'm like why is this guy in my inbox he's sending me dms like so all these like kinds of you know just over the top men were definitely feeling me those experiences did not happen in the United States. <laughs> like one of the cast members from Big Brother Rome, I'm in the park with my dog and he, you know, he's in the park with his dog and he starts talking to me. He's like, yeah, you know, we should hang out, ask me for my number and stuff. You know, no, like people like that just never were like trying to check for me in Chicago or in Atlanta or whatever. So the caliber of the men that I was meeting was just ridiculous. And so I was trying to put myself in a room where there were lots of different types of men interested in me. Now, if I, and because I'm dark and I have a certain look. Now, if you're a light-skinned black woman and you like, I love black men, go to South Africa, you know, mm -hmm. go to Kenya. Black men in Africa like light-skinned women. It's just, you know, that's their thing. You do, you know, and the, if you are heavy set, South Africa is a really good place. West Africa is a good place. You know, men there like really heavier women. If you're really, you know, a really thin woman, Europe is better. So I think, and then if you're a black man, you know, definitely South America and South Asia. And it just depends on, you know, where you can live. Don't go someplace. I have a friend now who like her husband is in a country. She doesn't want to, he wants to leave and come to the States and he lives in a place she wouldn't want to live. So don't meet somebody in a place you don't want to live. Cause if you can like, you know, and the other part too, women in, in, in Europe get caught up with this too. If you have a child, like, this is like one of the biggest problems I think I see. If you have a child with a man and the relationship ends, you can't leave and take your child. You can leave, but your child is a citizen of that country. Yeah. And her father has a right to keep him. So you'll, in a lot of the expat groups, you'll see a lot of women of um, different races where they're like, you know, I'm still in, you know, the Netherlands or Spain or France or wherever. And I've been, you know, I wanted to leave 10 years ago, but my, you know, my son, I can't leave my son. And so you'll see that a lot. So definitely make sure it's a place you can see yourself stand, particularly if you end up, you know, having a relationship and having a child with somebody. So I mean, yeah. that is excellent yeah. advice. And I mean, oh, yeah. don't get caught up because then you, <laughs> these women are mad because they'll be like, you know, the kid is like 12 and they wanted to leave 10 years ago and they're still there. 
And what one girl I know that she's in France and she's a, she's a white American girl from Kentucky, and and she she's a white American girl from Kentucky and she's in France and she her son is like thirteen now, and she was she's like I wanted to move when the relationship ended, but you know he was like and she said at first he was like okay bye go. But then his parents were like, well, that's our only grandchild. You can't let her take our only grandchild. And so he wouldn't let her go. And so he wouldn't sign the documents and they had to remain in, in Paris. And I don't think her son's even then. I think when she travels to the U.S., she leaves him because he mm -hmm. has to agree. And most of them won't agree because they don't think you're going to come back. <laughs> so they, you know, they get they get caught up with that. So definitely make sure that if you if you want to pursue a relationship in a country, that it's in a country that you could see yourself living in. And particularly if you think you might end up having kids, because if the relationship goes south, then you're kind of, you're stuck in that country. You can't really leave. Um, look, you could leave. The kid can't leave. So it's and something people need to be cognizant of. And that's what too many people, like, people don't think it all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's basically, it's going to be a fairy tale. And it's like, yeah, and sometimes it is, you know, it's, 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 I know people who've been together, you know, for decades that are older and, you know, they met whatever person and they're still in, you know, at least in Italy, I meet that because that's where I am. And they've been together forever. You know, they have kids and, and they're happy. But I mean, relationships end sometimes. And so when that happens, if you have a kid and you just need to know what the law is and, you probably will not be able to take your child out of that country without his consent, which he may or may not give. Definitely, definitely. Let's do this one question here. We are coming to the end of our time. So if y'all have any questions for Latrice, you need to go ahead and put it in the box. I'm going to do our last kind of question and then we're going to wrap it up. So get it in, everyone. We have... In. Okay. I didn't realize how limiting the U.S. was until I started watching these types of videos. It re it's really exhausting. It feels like you have to subscribe to a notion that doesn't even align with you. I mean, can, yeah. I, can, can I? Well, I mean, I think that's a that's an interesting sentence to say because mm -hmm. you define your alignment. Like what? It, like and where did that come from? You mm -hmm. know, did it come from what you actually need to be happy, or what someone told you you needed to be happy? Because when I like with Giacomo, we're, he's Italian. His first language is Italian. I'm from the South Side of Chicago. My first language is English. Our lives are so different. But when we sit down and talk, we could talk for hours. We, he makes me laugh every single day. So even though we're, we are completely very, very different, we get along so well. And it's, a, it's so easy to spend time with him. So when you think about it doesn't when people because I, I hear I, I kind of I'm gleaning from this that you you know something isn't aligning with you because it doesn't seem like that was what people told you you were supposed to do and then I think a lot of times when I hear black women say oh I only date black American men it's and they're great black American men but it's just not enough of them it's all they say is like playing musical chairs and somebody's not going to get a seat a lot of people are it's like 10 people going around in three chairs you know seven people are going to be standing and so it's like, well, go just into a different room where there are plenty of chairs, like more comfortable chairs. It would love for you to sit in them. Okay, that metaphor. <laughs> but, but that, I mean, 
that's really what it comes down to. What is it that, uh, what, what are you aligning with? Are you aligning with someone who's going to make you happy? Well, then look beyond what you think that could come as. And then when you look at living in Europe, I mean, it's definitely different. I, I, I almost hugged the clothes dryer because I've missed it so much. But <laughs> Europe is definitely different. But then, you know, like my fiance is freaking out because we can't walk everywhere here. We could, with where we live in Rome, everything we need on a daily basis is within a 10 minute walk. So, I mean, that's, to me, that's better than, you know, having to hop in a car and go everywhere, but then there's no clothes dryer. So you just have to pick your poison about what, you know, what makes you happy. And he's, he's like, well, you don't need a clothes dryer because we have a bidet and your ass is clean. So, you know, hey, what do you that's true. happy? That's true. I just actually moved into a new apartment and I don't have a dr- clothes dryer, but I have a dishwasher and I'm like, I haven't even used it yet. Cause I'm like, I don't, what is this life? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> but then, you know, dishwashers I think are because of Ikea probably they're a little more common, but the clothes dryers, that's like a hard road to hold. And then when you have one, because the electrical system is so out, or at least in Italy, they're so outdated. It takes like I say it's like drying clothes with an easy bake oven. You remember how like the easy bake oven had the light bulb and it take like two hours to bake a cake like, you know, this big. But then like with the clothes dryer, it's taking three hours to dry your clothes with like, you know, just a bunch of light bulbs. That's the thing. <laughs> and then with energy prices. Yeah, it's definitely a different experience. Just put it outside. Just put it outside. Okay, so as we wrap up, I would love for you to give us some advice for dating abroad. Because also in your episode, you talked about how you did feel like you didn't have the experience dating at first. And so you went, you went out there and you, you did the reps, basically. You're like, I yeah. need to get the reps in so that I know who I am as I'm dating, but also what I'm really looking for. And so for perhaps anyone who's listening and watching who doesn't have that experience, or maybe they just have a bad taste in their mouth and they're just... Mm-hmm. how do you go about dating abroad? And I'm going to say even more specifically for partnership, like how do you, maybe, is it like how you format your profile? Is it how you dress your pictures? Is it how you present? How, how do you do this successfully? Well, I mean, again, I, I like, you know, this is a disclaimer. <laughs> Hopefully this works for you. If it doesn't, you know, I'm sorry. But uh, but no, I mean, like I met I met Giacomo on Tinder, and I think one of the the uh, eHarmony doesn't work because men don't work like that. Men don't mm-hmm. men care about how you look. You know, eHarmony is like, oh, you know, you have this great personality. Most men, it just is what it is. They don't care how you you know how funny you are. If you don't look the way they want a woman to look, they're not going to like you. I like Tinder because you get that physical attraction thing out of the way right away, and then you just go from there. So I think women have a tendency sometimes to make their profile too sexy. It can't be that sexy. Like you need to be cute, playful, flirty. But like if you're too sexy, then men are thinking like, I want to have sex with you. And don't like men who have like really sexy profile pictures because they're just looking for sex. So and, you know, honestly, in my experience, like if he's like too, too like attractive over the top, you know, like with the shirt off pictures and all that, he's just he just wants to play. So I think the the first thing is kind of like to have a profile that is, you know, a little bit of who you are. It tells you, tells them who you are. 
um, and what you're looking for. But you don't, you know, don't be bitter. Don't be angry. Don't be like, oh, men are horrible and you better not be horrible. Just be like, hey, I'm this person and I'm looking for, you know, something that could be just like we could hang out and maybe just have some coffee and or, you know, we could see what happens and just kind of leave it something like that. Something pretty generic, but leading. I think I would never message people first, especially when you're abroad. I just, my, per, and there are women that disagree, but my belief is if a man can't take two seconds to say hi <laughs> on a dating app, like that is the least, the lowest investment possible. If he can't do that, then like what kind of boyfriend would he be? What kind of person would he be to date? Cause he's already not trying to put forth any effort. So I would only respond to messages, never first messages. And of those, the ones that have the most kind of engaging things, I would never talk to anybody probably longer than a week without meeting them in person. You can have amazing chemistry with somebody and over the phone or virtually or whatever, but then you have to actually meet them. And there are people that I would have great chemistry with on the phone, but then actually we sit down and talk and I didn't like them or vice versa. I... Well, I've, I, I know a lot of women like to do dinner dates and dinner dates are fine too. I actually started to like coffee dates just because if I didn't like somebody, I didn't want to, I didn't want to invest a lot of time into getting to know somebody. So th- these are, these are my two kind of things. So I have a Felice Weaver who does black girl travel. She kind of has this, her theory is more that if you, you spend a lot of time talking to somebody over the phone and you vet them over the phone. And then when you meet, you have a nice dinner and he spends some, some decent money, which is solid because you spend a lot of time vetting him over the phone. But I still don't like to spend that much time on the phone because then if they, you know, if, if, if they're cool over the phone, but then you're not physically attracted to them in person, it could be a problem. So what I like to do is, okay, we talk for a little bit. You seem relatively interesting. We'll meet for coffee. And I like coffee dates because I was every day I was taking my dog to the park. And so I would meet them in a coffee shop right in front of the park. So I didn't have to like, like have my day go any different from how it would typically go. So it was like, to me, minimal investment. And then if it went great, then we could do something later. And if it didn't, then, you know, I didn't lose anything because it got to be like so many men were asking me out. Going out to dinner is like a whole thing. And my time is valuable to me more so than food. <laughs> like, like I'd rather sit at home and watch Netflix than be on a date with somebody I'm not interested in. And so like I wouldn't have to, you know, do the hair and the makeup and find an outfit and put on some heels. I could just like go to the park. And then and keep it really low. I like and then I like daytime dates, too, because, you know, no one's pressuring you for sex if they got to go to work or <laughs> you know, they got to get back to the office or whatever. They're just like it, it keeps it really PG when you have dinner with somebody, you know, men are going to men. You know, a lot of times they're going to try to push to, you know, take you to. Like, well, can I, you know, come over? Can you come over? All that kind of stuff. No. So I actually got to really like the early dates. But this is this is a different. This is in Europe. This isn't like in the States because in the States stuff is different. But in Europe, for me, it was fine. And then if it went well, then you have like a a real kind of date. So I actually enjoyed that. But at the same time, a lot can be said for doing the dinners as as a first date, too. And like what she would say is if you were in the middle of a dinner and it just sucked, she just get up and leave. <laughs> so, so that's an option, too. But I mean, it still was me wasting an outfit, doing my hair, doing makeup. You know, now I got to take a taxi back from the restaurant or whatever. 
So it, it just depends on what you kind of what you're doing. But the biggest thing, the first step is just putting yourself in that in that space. You know, if you're in, if you're a, a heavy set girl and you go to Ghana, a lot of men are going to be interested in you. They're probably going to stop you walking down the street. You're just going to meet a lot of different people. And so you'll have so many options that you got to be more strategic just because you don't have time to date everybody. And that's really what it came down to in Italy. We used to joke because we could do like two days where we could have like a date for, you know, lunch and a date for dinner and a date for coffee and a date for dinner. Like it was just, it, it can get overwhelming so much. So you get so much attention. So then it's like, okay, who do I want to spend time with? But that's a good place to be in as opposed to, you know, I really want to go out with somebody. It's been three months. It's been four months. Like that, unless you just take your head and bury it in the sand, that is like impossible if you're a black woman living in most places in Europe. Now, other countries, again, Asia and, and Central America is a little bit different. But in even Africa, you're going to have a you will probably have a good dating experience in most of the countries there. But, you know, it's more so than the United States. So you can be definitely strategic about it and, um, you know, just figure out like what is the best use of my time and is the best way to kind of spend time with people that are interested in me. I love that. I love that. We have one last comment from Doc Mari, who just said, well, she wanted to congratulate you. Your ring is beautiful. Oh, thank you. Looking thank like you. an infinity stone. Okay. <laughs> thank I you. love that. Thank you. I'm I happy. love I'm that. Happy. We're happy. Latrice, I could talk to you all day because I, I think you have such great insight. And I think that your insight, one, comes from experience and it comes from compassion. And I think sometimes in the dating space in general, people give out advice just from, I don't know from where, but also sometimes the advice can be like demeaning and like weird oh, yeah. and strange. Samuel, stop that. Like, don't listen to that dude. That dude is the worst. Like, don't listen to black men tell you anything about like, just stop. Cause they, most of those men are coming from a place that's self-serving either financially and, or, I mean, they're, they want, they want black women from to date from a place that empowers black men, not that empowers black women. Like, don't listen to them, please. You know, listen to some to a self-help or, you know, read the secret again or something like that, but do not listen to, to, to Kevin Samuels or anybody around that. Like, just stop. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well, Latrice, we're waiting for you to write a book, put uh, out some kind of, yeah, put out some kind of program. <laughs> Look, I know you're, you're busy. You're planning a wedding. You got your whole oh my God, you know, business, but you're looking for another business to go into dating abroad and coaching black women dating abroad. That is a niche for you. And I can right. finally give people out of my DMs and give them to you. <laughs> and well, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm open to different things. I think the biggest thing with um, African-American women, <coughs> excuse me, honestly, is just kind of getting out of our own way and getting out of our head. The geography part is the easiest. I mean, it's really easy. But I mean, just but changing that mindset of like what the young lady said before of what did she say of seeing myself in, in a way other than what was her wording other than what I saw as being aligned for myself or something like that. And I'm like, but what, who told you what was yeah. aligned to you, girl, you know, if you, you listening to your pastor and he probably sleeping with half the boys in the choir, like, don't listen Ooh. to them. I'm, I mean, <laughs> this is what it is, you know, because these patriarchal kind of constructs come from a place of keeping black women in a space of servitude and unhappiness. Because if you're a happy, 
then, you know, you're making a lot more kind of proactive decisions and a lot of more. So you're having a lot more self-determination. And a lot of these kind of narratives are meant to either blame black women like you're too this, you're too that, you're not enough this, lose some weight, gain some weight, get a BBL. No, honey, however you wake up in the morning. Whatever you, whatever look you have that you're happy with, there is a man in this world that will love you the way that you are in that space and be okay with it. And you need to find that dude. Don't fix you. Fix your mind. And then you will find the person who can kind of compliment where you are in your space. There's nothing wrong with us. Nothing. And stop letting people tell you that. Yeah, I'm done. Latrice, you better you better write that book. You better write that book because yes, they they need it. They need it and they want it. Thank you so much for taking the time, Latrice. No we went over a little bit, so thank you so much for just right, being ladies. amenable to that. I really really appreciate it. For everyone, if you want to hear a Latrice's complete episode, I believe it's linked in the description below. You can also check out Dating Abroad Part One and Part Two. If you guys want more content like this, you have to let me know. If not, I'll just do whatever I want to do. So y'all have to let me know if that's what you want. Put it in the comments here now or on replay. And that is it. I want to thank you again, Latrice, for taking the time, being a wonderful guest. And for all of you that have tuned in, remember, it is not about moving abroad. And it is definitely not about just being abroad. It's about thriving abroad. So go abroad and cultivate a life well lived. See y'all next time. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Flourish in the Foreign. So as you have probably noticed, this is the end of season four. We're doing some throwbacks and things like that. I hope you're enjoying that as I take a little bit of a rest and as I prepare to bring you all brand new interviews by phenomenal, exceptional, incredible black women for season five. Season five will kick off in September and I'm super excited to bring that to you all. But also, please remember that this is a solo indie podcast, which means that I am not a part of a network. And I am the producer, creator, host, editor, and everything of this podcast. So please be sure to support this podcast like y'all support Hulu, Disney Plus, and Netflix, and all those other things, because your support really makes an incredible difference in the production of this here podcast, because y'all know Flourish in the Foreign is a labor of love, but labor nonetheless. So please be sure to support the podcast. You can do so by going to buymeacoffee.com slash Flourish Foreign and buying me a coffee or purchasing some podcast equipment or software that actually helps make this podcast run. I'd appreciate that. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Flourish in the Foreign YouTube channel. Flourish in the Foreign, simple enough. Make sure you're following the podcast on Facebook and on Instagram at Flourish Foreign. And of course, check out all of the resources on the website, flourishintheforeign.com. We have new blog posts, we have show notes, and we have resources to help you move, live, and thrive abroad. 
that is how you can support this here podcast. And of course, be sure to write a review if you have not and share the podcast with all of your friends, all of your family members and the colleagues that you like. We'll keep it to the ones that you like today. But really, you should share with everyone. And as always, big thanks to Zachary Higgs, who produced the music of this here podcast. Remember, it's not about moving abroad. It's not about being abroad. It's about flourishing abroad. So go abroad and cultivate a life well lived. See you next time.